On front page with me this morning, I have veteran journalists, both of them, and also media practitioners, <laughs> Anne Edwards and Julian Matthews. Good morning, folks. Morning, Good morning. Shaz. Good morning, Shaz. <laughs> okay, let's take a look at this headline. Anti-Fake News Act repealed by Dewan Rakyat again. Uh, at the policy level, the bill had 93 eyes and 53 nays. Is it really worth trying to repeal the act once more? Um, your thoughts, Anne? Um, it's like back to freedom in fetters all over again. But I'll be looking at another act to limit our freedom of expression. So I'm looking at it as that. But on the hindsight, we do need uh, this sort of laws, especially in this uh, day and age, during the digital age, when there's so much news out there. And we're not sure whether it's fake or whether it's oh. real news, you know. But we've already got so many acts. You know, you of course, we have the Penal Code there, the Printing Presses and Publication Acts, Edition Act and what have you. And also now the Communication and Multimedia Act, well, of course, that was back in 1998. But if you're looking at an act designed to stop spread of fake news, mm. uh, that was actually uh, enacted during the last uh, administration. And it is to tackle the spread of this uh, fake news. Now, a good reason to repeal this law is that human rights advocates and also politicians have criticized the law as it undermines freedom of expression. Now, that's my take. Right. You know, That's my take. So uh, we're looking at the Anti-Fake News Act as... Uh, um, probably just another regurgitation of other existing laws mm. that we have now to limit our freedom of expression. And as a journalist, I don't think that is uh, very wise. Yeah, your thoughts, Julian? I agree completely with right. Ben. Yeah. Uh, why do you think it was rejected by Dewan Nagar the first time around? I think uh, this was from the previous administration, right? And we know the previous administration was trying to curb people posting news online, mm-hmm. right? That was uh, not in favor of them, right? So definitely the new government now with the new Malaysia they yeah. want to do something different they want to allow more freedom they want people to be able to speak their mind they want people to be able to criticize government so I think it's important that they repeal this act but it's also pretty protective I would look at it like you know in a nutshell like last year we had BN's Cairo Azwan Harun I mean he stated it to be fair that he believes that the law can actually be improved upon instead of it being thrown out altogether you know it should be re-looked at he also said that with the digital age that we live in right now, fake news laws uh, would be protecting everyone, to be fair, and not just politicians. Well, you know, still on the topic of news, it looks like Utusan Malaysia may get a reboot under Tycoon site Mokhtar. We'll be taking a look at that headline next after Robbie Williams. This is Feel on Light. On front page with me this morning, media practitioners and veteran journalists Julian Matthews and Anne Edwards. It looks like Utusan Malaysia to get a reboot under firm linked to Tycoon Sait Mokhtar in the near future. But as we know, it's it's a sad day for the staff of Utusan Malaysia. Everyone's out of a job. Are print papers still profitable in this digital age? Julian, your thoughts? I think print papers have been losing money for a couple of decades now. Right? Mm-hmm. We all are aware of this. We all are aware of the digital wave. They all knew it was coming all the newspapers here. Uh, I was at the very forefront of training news journalists in uh, 2004, uh, bringing in 3G phones, teaching them about iPads and how to move from print to online. Right. 
So whether it's profitable, they know that the difference is digital is digital pennies versus print dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Digital is comparatively, if you compare them with the mainstream media, even for advertising, it's much cheaper. Yeah. It's much cheaper, but it didn't gain that much popularity. But then again, it has just overtaken the, the newspapers and traditional media just like that overnight. You know, yeah. it's just like, you know, I, I was so surprised as well. Now, Utusan Malaysia, they will be acquired. Mm. Does this mean that staff will be absorbed as well? Okay, now normally when a company acquires another company, uh, I would think that naturally the staff will be absorbed as well. But PM uh, Tun Mahathir, he did say on Wednesday and he said there's that only some of the workers will be rehired to work under this new company called Aurora Mulia, Srinan Berhad. Now, we're looking at Utusan with a strength of 862 employees and their employment officially ends on October 31st. Actually, did some background check here. Right. But regardless of that, the way that Utusan is dealing with the situation is kind of inhumane as well because the employees were uh, firstly caught off guard Mm-hmm. Um, by this notice and, and and it was stated that the company is seizing operations. They were not given termination notices or letters offering new jobs in the new uh, Utusan Malaysia right. per se. You know? so, but the HR ministry has stepped in. They said that they will help to mediate the liquidation process, if you have, between right. uh, Utusan and staff. Yes, and I think uh, Kulasegrin did say that if they were illegally fired, then you know, obviously they're going to help them do something mm. about this as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have any updates on the back pay owed to the staff of Utusan Malaysia? Uh, it's been reported that some of the staff members, uh, they were struggling to even feed or put food on the table and all that. And now they are forced to leave. Company still owes employees two months a salary back pay. Now, Human Resources Minister, the minister is saying that, you know, retrenched employees could make a representation. This is important. Under the Employment Insurance System, EIS. Now, this is to get assistance for at least a period of six months months, you know, at least, you know, they have some compensation going on there. So that could be a very immediate retreat for them. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I hate to see any newspaper go down. Yeah. Um, I'm always yeah. pro, pro journalist. Uh, some of the headlines and some of the editorials of Utusan, of course, were, were very unkind in the last few years. Of course, they had an agenda. Mm-hmm. They were owned Absolutely. by a political mm-hmm. party. But I, I feel for the journalists because Sad. some of the journalists were doing good work and they still do good work. Yeah. And Utusan is an institution. It was established in 1939, mm-hmm. right, in uh, in Singapore, and mm-hmm. and it was in Jawi at that time. So to see it go down would I be know, right? would be horrible. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, coming up next, we'll take a look at the free breakfast program. It won't be free for the government. That's next after Brandy. Have you ever on light? On front page with me this morning, delighted to have veteran journalists and media practitioners uh, Anne Edwards and Julian Matthews. And it looks like Putrajaya may spend between 800 million to 1.67 billion annually for the free breakfast program. This is a lot of money. Do you feel this program is a worthy investment? Anne? Well, on the one hand, it is worthy, but to a certain extent. Uh, now, the idea of actually having the government provide breakfast to all primary schools is a noble uh, gesture but however there are some people out there also who are saying that it is better if the government provides the said breakfast to students who come from poor families and not just across the board you know just do a little research and find out who actually really needs it also the contractors chosen to to do this job also is knowledgeable Mm -hmm. in what kind of food they can give to students healthy food or not you know needs to be healthy so as to improve their learning curve so all this needs to be taken into consideration and 
they should not be working only to make a profit. I mean, the contractors, Absolutely, you know. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So your thought, you know, where else could this money go to? I mean, it's a lot of money. One point six seven billion. We have Doctor Wee saying, "Oh, I thought we were poor." <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to know every time a government program comes along, you you think it's good for the yeah, good for the people who uh, kids who go to school yes. and they don't have breakfasts. Fine, mm. but we always wonder about the control and the mechanisms around it, right? Yeah. Is there going to be a middleman? Is there going to be yeah. uh, where is the food going to be stored? Supposedly they come on Friday and over the weekend, where mm-hmm. are they going to keep it? Is there going to be spoiled? Mm-hmm. There's so many issues around it, and every time mm-hmm. government <laughs> steps in to do something like this, we've always seen a level of corruption involved. Right? Yeah. That, that's what's worrying. Uh, that's definitely true. I guess my idea, or rather my thought, is you know this money could go into facilities, yeah. upgrading, or, yeah, classrooms. yeah, especially schools mm. in um, what Sabah and Sarawak. You know there are a lot of uh, facilities there that needs upgrading. Mm. So uh, 1.67 billion—that's a lot of money. It could go into that. Mm. So um, and in you know those are schools which are perhaps a bit dilapidated. Mm. You know, yeah. so you know money can go there, or it can go into total reformation of even the current educational system. Right. You know, mm. which really needs looking into as yeah. well and doing yeah. something. Mm. Reading some of the comments online with mm. regards to the free breakfast and where all this money could actually uh. go towards, um, some people have suggested, well, we, why don't we hire actual native English speakers or those who have mm. a lot of experience teaching in English and teaching English? Your thoughts, Julian? Yeah, I think the education minister should focus on education. Full stop. Full stop. Yes, yes, all yes. All right. Yes. When we come back, we'll take a look at day one Rakyat approving food donors protection bill what's this about well we'll discuss this with our panelists next after Louis Capaldi's Someone You Loved on Light on front page with me this morning media practitioners and veteran journalists Anne Edwards and Julian Matthews and the day one Rakyat has approved the food donors protection bill aimed at encouraging the public to donate food without fear of being sued while supporting the government's food bank program. I'm just curious why they came up with this bill. Very interesting bill at this point of time could be an act soon because uh, the food bank program itself has benefited over 45,000 uh, households mm. since the project was launched in Penang and that was last year. So having this bill it will, like you said, help protect <coughs> donors from any liability and so it can help to encourage more donors to come forward, you know, to donate uh, food and all that. Especially, I would think international companies, they'll be more motivated to participate in this program. Hence, they are having this bill and uh, soon to be act in order to address uh, this encouragement, so right. to speak. So this protects them uh, from civil action in case someone gets you know, food mm. poisoning or worse. Yeah? Yes, yeah. But what about the responsibility? Who should take the responsibility up should there be health-related issues from donated food consumption? You know, this is targeted at people who are in the B40, right? These people just want food on the table. They want to put food on the table. If you can supplement that, you can help them in any way, great. We also don't want food that is wasted by hotels and restaurants and all these big companies, mm-hmm. right? 
uh, we want people to get access to food that's still not expired, that's mm-hmm. still, still good. good. Yeah. But the thing is, when you protect big companies against legal protection, people at B40 are not going to sue you. Right? Mm. <laughs> Very like unlikely, right? They have to seek out the protection through whatever available means, right? They just want food on food on the table. I mean, how is this helpful to the ragat? If I get sick, I can't sue you because yeah. I can't afford to sue you anyway, mm. right? If the food is bad, I'll just go to the, cl- the nearest uh, clinic kesehatan and help out my child. Mm. But if it involves somebody dying, then that's a different situation. The latest Marua conference, do you remember when people got mm. sick over Nasi Lemak? Who sues who? Uh, it's important to to define that. If you're going to protect big companies, mm-hmm. I'm always for the, 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 the little, little guy. guy. Yeah. Mm. So I think that this is something that the Domestic Trade and Consumer Affairs Ministry should also elaborate more on. You know, like if you have laws to protect the donor, there must also be laws to protect the receiver. So I think that should be looked into. And the protection is not absolute, I think. And a donor could also still be liable if it could be proven that the occurrence was actually due to their negligence and willful misconduct. I think a certain amount of action should be taken and a certain amount of responsibility should be undertaken by the donor themselves. All right. Mm. In fact, uh, that's something we're definitely going to watch because, you know, nobody wants to see food go to waste. Exactly. No one wants explosive, you know, whatnots. Food poisoning. (laughs) Food poisoning. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) When we come back, we'll take a look at what we can expect in Budget 2020. That's next. After the traffic update and Berlin Lynn, take my breath away on light. On front page with me this morning, media practitioners and veteran journalists Julian Matthews and Anne Edwards. And, uh, well, something we can um, expect, hopefully, is higher subsidies <laughs> and lower taxes. At least we're hoping for that in Budget 2020. What subsidies can we expect from this budget, Anne? A lot of people are expecting more subsidies, especially with basic necessities like sugar, oil, flour, oil. Um, no, this sort of items, if you have uh, high subsidies for it, and if the rugged is going to get more out of this, it's a cycle effect on other stuff that they can get because it will actually affect the buying power. It will affect the purchasing power. They will have higher purchasing power Mm -hmm. because these are basic necessities. So if you address this and the price goes down because of higher subsidies, you will perhaps hope for a better living standard. You know, that that is what uh, we all hope for. But uh, (laughs) I feel it's visual thinking when you say, you know, we want higher subsidies and lower taxes. You know, it doesn't work that way. We must have at end of the day a balanced budget because it is a challenging year it is going to be a challenging year we are having a 3.4 percent fiscal deficit so that has to be addressed by the government i would find that a challenging budget that they will present today your thoughts Mm. uh, julian well, it's only been a year and a half. We're expecting and hoping that the price of coffee and the price of rotitolo will go down, <laughs> but it hasn't, <laughs> right? I don't feel a change in my m- the amount of money I'm spending on my children or myself. I hope to see a change, right? I'm giving you enough time, a year and yeah. a half. But I, in 2020, we're supposed to be a developed <laughs> nation by then. Mm, I, I yeah. very much doubt that things are going to go down. I need to see that, right? Uh, you came in on a platform of anti-corruption, right? But now's the time to start 
moving on things, right? Mm-hmm. Start executing and start mm-hmm. ensuring that all of us have more bang for our buck. Yes, indeed. And speaking of bang for your buck, the government announced a new target fuel subsidy scheme mm. expected to begin in January mm. 2020. Do you know how this is going to work? Well, we're looking at RON 95 first. So that will be floated according to global market prices. But they're not doing it right away because a lot of mechanisms need to be implemented in order to get this going at least smoothly because it will be monitored uh, perhaps weekly, the prices, you know, for row 95, for example. Now, those who qualify for this subsidy will be, be paid a fixed amount of money. That's what I understand to be, depending on the type and number of vehicles owned. You know, right. like car owners will receive a total of 30 ringgit. Motorcycle owners will receive uh, 12 ringgit uh, monthly right. uh, from this exercise. Okay. Mm, and yeah. the household income has to be uh, less than 4,000 Less than right? 4,000 ringgit. So uh, we're looking at fairly distributed sort of subsidy, especially for petrol. Mm. Yeah, And you yeah. know that when petrol prices move, everything else moves. But like Julian said, prices will not go down, <laughs> even if petrol prices go down, like, you know, really, really tremendously. Well, it's been a real pleasure looking at the headlines with the both of you this morning. Great. <laughs> Happy birthday. So day. Yeah. Thank you, Shaz. <laughs> of course, uh, that was uh, Anne Edwards, veteran journalist and media practitioner, also Julian Matthews, a former journalist with Nikkei, Sinat Malaysia and The Star.